Welcome, everybody, to Theology and Insanity, your Catholic, your weekly Catholic podcast on all things theology, philosophy, culture, politics, and all of the insanity in the world. Uh, I am Dave Van Vickle, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Mike Cirilla. Mike, how's it going to this week? It's going great, David. How are you? Good. You're you're uh, you're still in the thick of it with summer classes, and everything, but you got a oh, vacation yeah. coming up and stuff, right? I do. Yep, we're going to go on vacation next week. I can do some of the classes from, from a distance. Yeah. Oh, wow. Good. So you're not really going on vacation. Yeah, kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a few hours a day, you know. Yeah. Those those summer classes are intense, too, because you're combining, yes. you're getting stuff in, like, so so quickly and everything. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, I decided just to stay out of that for this summer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> everything yeah. Everything going on in my life, so. We've got a wedding coming up and a few other things, so I need to work a little bit overtime to, you know. Right. Prepare right. For that's these. right. I forgot. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Awesome. Awesome. Well, that's good. Well, I wanted to uh have a discussion with you today about a topic that um I is very close to it I I've probably spent like 10 years thinking about it, although I don't know if I'll be able to discuss it well like well enough to reflect that. But um and that is uh, an for theologians, they all know this issue, right? This was a big deal in Vatican II, which is Lumen Gentium chapter eight, and particularly Art, this, Article eight, yeah, Article eight, sorry, yeah, Article yep. eight. Uh, particularly this one phrase that says uh, the the church. Well, we better just we better just quote it and not uh, not try try to do it here. I'll read the whole paragraph so that people can, or the beginning of the paragraph. Christ, the one mediator, established and continually sustains here on earth his holy church, the community of faith, hope, and charity as an entity with visible delineation through which he communicated truth and grace to all. But the society structured with hierarchical organs and the mystical body of Christ are not to be considered as two realities. Nor are the visible assembly and the spiritual community, nor the earthly church and the church enriched with heavenly things. Rather, they form one complex reality which coalesces from a divine and human elephant element. For this reason, by no weak analogy, it is compared to the mystery of the incarnate word. As the assumed nature inseparably united to him serves the divine word as a living organ of salvation, so in a similar way does the visible social structure of the church serve the spirit of Christ who vivifies it in the building up of the body. Okay, now, so that that's the, the first part of that paragraph. It kind of opens up to this whole idea that the church that Christ established, it says it subsists in the Catholic church. And I know that that article was rewritten several times, that it took on some controversy during the writing of it, and I know that a lot of people take different uh a pin, uh, tones as far as what they think subsists means, and uh, rather than it saying that the church Christ founded is the Catholic Church, it says subsists, that there's all kinds of things here. So I wanted to have a discussion with you about that. And in particular, I want to kind of make the backdrop the fact that we do find a lot of indifference with regards to church nowadays, right? Uh, we there's I think there's a false ecumenism out there. There's real ecumenism, and I think there's a lot of false ecumenism out there. And I think there's an idea that, you know, you hear it a lot when you work for the church. Uh, well, as long as they're going to some church, I don't care if they're going to the Catholic church. And so I want to, you know, have this discussion about Lumen Gentium 8 with you and kind of open that up a little bit. Yeah, no, that's this is really important. In fact, uh, that first paragraph of Article 8, there's three paragraphs. That first paragraph is beautiful. You just read um, and it sets up the context, which is this, that the church is visible. It has an, a visible delineation. 
Um, and that visibility of the church is the means through which God communicates truth and grace to everyone. So the truth of salvation, the truth of his triune life, the truth about sin, about conversion, about healing, about forgiveness, and then grace, the power to live his divine life. All of that's communicated visibly through the church, and that, that's analogous, they say, to the incarnation. So God himself, who is truth himself, who is transcendent, supernatural, and frankly invisible, uh, becomes visible, tangible, uh, and through these visible means, his body, his speech, uh, his touch, he mediates truth and grace to us. So the church, which is his body, continues that activity. So that's the context, right? And then it's the next paragraph where we get the subsistent stuff, and it's very, very specifically and precisely worded. So let me, if I could, just read that next paragraph. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so here's, here's it continues. This is the one church of Christ in which the creed is professed as one holy Catholic and apostolic, which our Savior, after his resurrection, commissioned to Peter, commissioned Peter to shepherd. So he's saying, they're saying, this is the one church of Christ. So this is a key term, church of Christ, and then Catholic church is another term, okay? So this is the one church of Christ, which uh, our Savior commissioned Peter to shepherd. So he's saying, there's the, he, the council fathers, they are saying that the church of Christ was commissioned, uh, that Christ commissioned Peter to be over that whole church, and him, continuing the quote, and the other apostles to extend and direct with authority, which he, that's Jesus, erected for all ages as the pillar and mainstay of the truth. That's citing First uh, Timothy. This church constituted and organized in the world as a society subsists in the Catholic Church, which is governed by the successor of Peter. So now they're saying the Church of Christ subsists in the Catholic Church, which is governed by the successor of Peter. So the Church of Christ, Christ commissioned Peter to shepherd, the Catholic Church is that in which the Church of Christ subsists, and that's governed by Peter's successor and by the bishops in communion with him. Although many elements of sanctification and of truth are found outside of its visible structure. These elements of sanctification and truth, as gifts belonging to the Church of Christ, are forces impelling toward Catholic unity. So you mentioned, at the end of the quote, you mentioned ecumenism. This uh, shows, I think, the true nature of genuine ecumenism, which is the truth, the elements of truth and sanctification, like let's say baptism or the Bible, even if they don't have all the books of the Bible, recognize, you know, are tr- they are elements of truth, they're elements of sanctification, but they belong in the Catholic Church. And so when they're found outside, there's an impetus. They impel those who possess them, whether they know it or not, towards a Catholic unity. Uh, that means toward becoming Catholic. Right. Um, but okay, so why don't we start with the well, with the oh, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So I I want to point out just just the gravity of it of that first paragraph, the first part of the paragraph, and that is that they use the analogy that it's like as Jesus reveals the Father, the Church reveals the kingdom, right? I mean, yeah, yeah. That is that is very telling to us that. Um, you know, I, I mean, Jesus is the vis- the the visible Father, right? I, he is the vision of the Father, right? And and reveals the Father to us, so so much so, you know, they use that analogy that the Church reveals the kingdom to us. You know, 
the kingdom to us. And so we have to remember that, you know, people love to say this, like, oh, well, there's the church and then there's the man-made church, you know? Right, Uh, right, right. The man-made church, you know, it's usually a way of like kind of throwing out dogma, throwing out the religious aspect of it and kind of focusing on the spirituality. And that just doesn't cut it, right? That the, the church that we're seeing, the structures, the hierarchies, all of that is a revelation of the kingdom of God. That's right, but there are different ways to take this, right? Um, so you can talk about it in an, an analogous way with Christ revealing the Father, the church revealing the kingdom. But there's something else too here. Uh, the church doesn't just reveal the kingdom. The church is actually literally the kingdom. So when you see the church, you're seeing the kingdom of God on earth. Now, the way that she shows up on earth is is a mixed bag. <laughs> right. Yeah, there can be also, as Jesus himself says in the parables in Matthew 13, right. it's weeds and wheat mixed in together. It's the fish and the barnacles mixed in together. You know, uh, you're going to see the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, you're going to have Judas, and you're going to have Peter, and you're going to have uh, John, the beloved. You know, all mixed together. But that still is the visible kingdom of Christ, uh, in whom. He dwells. Now, there's this process of purification, this pilgrimage the church is on. Paul says that he is cleansing her with his word and water and his blood so that there'll be eventually, in Ephesians, right, no spot or wrinkle in her. And so the pilgrimage is, is to the kingdom, the, you're probably referring to the eschatological kingdom, which is the, the perfect state of the right. church, you know. But, that, but nevertheless, the church on earth and in purgatory um, is, is the kingdom. It re- both reveals the kingdom... And it is literally the kingdom, too. It's visible. But, you know, the spirit of Vatican II uh, is in play, right? Uh, as, as so many of these controversial passages um, or controverted passages of Vatican II have been kind of co-opted by people, we said this in an earlier podcast, who said, well, look, you know, these are parity experts who were theologian experts at the council at Vatican II. I was there. And I helped compose this. And I'm telling you, this is what we meant. Okay. Right. Now, right. now listen, listen, with, with any kind of even very technical, precise language, and frankly, this is one of the most technical passages in the entire document, which, where they use the Latin phrase subsistit in, the church subsists in, and they also use a technical term elementa, elements. There are elements of saving truth and grace found outside uh, the visible boundaries of the church. Um, even when you use precise terms like that, and I'd like to get into that with you in a, in a few minutes, uh, if you want to do that, um, there can, there's always room in human language for words to have several meanings sure, or nuances sure. or whatever. So here's the basic uh, approach. And one of, the, of a battery of theologians uh, from the Vatican II era who expressed this was uh, F- Father Francis Sullivan, SJ. Right, he used to right. teach at uh, the Greg, Gre- Gregorian University in Rome. He would say, "What? It's very significant." They argue, he and many others, you know, that instead of saying what Pius the Twelfth said in his encyclical Mystici Corporis on the mystical body of Christ on the Church, which came out a few years before this, okay, uh, instead of saying the Catholic Church, the Church of Christ is the Catholic Church, that is est in Latin, is the Catholic Church. They're saying the Church of Christ subsists in, subsistit in the Catholic Church. And in so doing, so here's the, here's the argument, and it's, it's not, I, I think they're, I can, we can show that they're completely wrong about this, all right? But the argument is, 
what they're doing, what, what the Council Fathers are trying to do is to soften this antagonistic, polemic, post-Tridentine or Tridentine, you know, right. uh, uh, controversial language against the Protestants to say that we are the only Church of Christ, you guys aren't the Church of Christ at all, you're just churches of heretics and schismatics uh, with no value at all, which, by the way, the Church has never officially said they had no value. We always have recognized baptism from Protestants. We never rebaptize them when they become Catholic. We don't. We recognize, in other words, the elements of saving truth. That's not a Vatican II novelty, all right? Um, but these folks want to say... Um, so to say the Church subsists in the Catholic Church is to say that the Church of Christ is a broader transcendent reality, almost like, a, if, you, if you listeners are aware of this, a platonic form a universe like goodness or truth right. or hoarseness or humanity, yeah, right. which are instantiated in incomplete and partial and finite ways in individual humans, horses, true statements, etc. Okay, um, so the Church of Christ is this Platonic transcendent form uh, that's universal and full and complete, and is never fully instantiated in any material particular community on earth, though the Catholic Church may instantiate it more fully than others, they'll argue. Uh, and so there's some truth mixed in here, <laughs> but, but, but never will you find the Church of Christ whole and complete anywhere on earth, even if the Catholic Church may instantiate it at any given point in time more than others do. Others may instantiate it better than the Catholic Church does, see? So it's this idea that... Uh, it's, in other words, what, what's called in, in theological, technical, ecclesiological terms, uh, non-exclusive identity. That means the Church of Christ and the Catholic Church are not exclusively identical. Exclusively meaning, meaning to the exclusion of other Christian groups, uh, which can also be the Churches of Christ, right? So in other words, they, they, it's almost... These people, the Spirit of Vatican II folks, Francis Sullivan and others, want to say, well, these other churches are also, the Church of Christ subsists in these other churches as well, because you can subsist more or less completely or incompletely, you see? And so what, how does this tech, ivory tower abstract stuff, how does it translate to catechetical, catechetics and homiletics like this? Um, like you said earlier, hey... As long as you're going to some church, that's all that matters. Right. You don't have to be Catholic. I mean, the Church of Christ is found in all these places. So they're right. really, and it eviscerates the impetus to um, share the riches of the Catholic Church with other people because, well, they're already in churches, and those other churches may be more, quote unquote, on fire than my local parish, you know, yeah. my local Catholic parish. So it gets complicated, doesn't it? So that's, yeah, I yeah. think, at least one way to set it up, you know, set up the problem. Yeah, it creates an umbrella. Right of like here's the Church of Christ, and under that umbrella f fly flies Orthodoxy, Protestantism, and the Catholic Church. The problem is, like we know that the the Church Christ founded is apostolic, like, and that's been the way it is from the beginning. So it's hard to, it's hard for those guys to make that argument, and, and I I understand, you know, changing the language, but it doesn't change it enough. For me to say, like, oh, well, they're trying to soften this, you know? Well, actually, there's evidence to the contrary, which we can get to in a minute, but I like that you brought up apostolic. Um, that's right. The, Christ founded the church on the apostles. This is in Scripture. If you, Even if you're a sola scriptura person, you're going to see this in the Gospels, you're going to see this in the epistolary literature in the New Testament and the Acts of the Apostles. Paul, in fact, explicitly says it, that the church was founded on the apostles and the prophets, okay? Um, 
and in Matthew 16, you're Peter on this rock, I'll found my, I'll establish my church. Okay, so it's apostolic. So, so you're going to want to look for apostolic continuity, and and that means it would be bishops at least, right? So you don't have bishops in many Protestant uh, communions, communities. Uh, so, kind of high church people like us, I guess you could say. I don't really like that label, but would say, okay, so they're lacking apostolicity. The Eastern Orthodox have preserved it, though. They have preserved apostolic succession. Their bishops are in line uh, ap- uh, of succession from the apostles to the present. Anglicans claim to have it, uh, though the Catholic Church investigated it under Leo XIII in the late 19th century and determined that they had lost it because of a, chain, a critical change of the formula of ordination of priests and bishops. Um, so there's apostolicity. But but there's more, too. Um so the, the the claim can actually be falsified, can be shown to be false, namely the claim that the council fathers were intending to change the language from is to subsist in, from the Church of Christ is the Catholic Church to the Church of Christ subsists in the Catholic Church in order to uh, show that the Church of Christ is really found nowhere on earth in its fullness, in its absolute okay. complete okay. wholeness. Okay. Okay. Maybe the Catholic Church represents it more than others, <clears throat> uh, <clears throat> but other churches have it as well. Um, <clears throat> so my good old friend, Dr. Chris Malloy, he teaches uh, ecclesiology and theology at the University of Dallas <clears throat> in Texas. He, he's a great friend, great theologian, really solid, good man, good heart. <clears throat> and he has a very thorough uh, article in the journal called The Thomist. Uh, It's entitled Subsistit in uh, Exclusive Identity or Non-Exclusive Identity. And he takes on Francis Sullivan and all these people who who claim what we just talked about. And he shows, look, from the actual historical record, the, the council father who suggested changing the language from is to subsists in was a bishop named Sebastian Trump. And Sebastian Trump was a solid Thomist, uh, at complete one of the Orthodox traditional fathers of the Vatican II who were fighting against the liberal factions. Uh, and, the, and he says very explicitly the reason he did this is to show not only uh, that the Church of Christ is the Catholic Church, but to show that the Church of Christ, that the Catholic Church is the Church of Christ existing as a substance. So in scholastic language, this is the language of subsistit, it's also the language of elementa, elements, which we'll talk about in a second, which comes in the next phrase in that paragraph. But to subsist is to exist in the manner of a substance, rather than what? Rather than an accident, okay? That a substance is a thing that, a whole and complete thing that exists in and of itself, like a horse or a tree, or a human being, okay? Uh, but an accident is a feature, all right? Or an element. An element would be, you know, you have uh, elements of the human body would be organs. Right. You know, you have right. a heart, you have uh, intestines, uh, an eye or an ear. These are elements, elementa. But the, uh, but the human, human being subsists in the whole body and soul together, right? So here subsists is not used as a platonic form. Right. It's not. It's being used the way the word, the word is used in Catholic theology up to that point, which is to exist in the manner of a substance. So in other words, what they're saying is the Church of Christ is found in it as a substance, as a living, complete community, not just full, most full or less full, or you know, but completely full 
in the Catholic Church, though elements like a heart or an eye right. or an organ right. can be found outside. But just like, I love it, it's such a beautiful image. You have an element of, let's say the human body, you have a heart <laughs> or a finger or, you know, found severed from the body. And as long as it's kept alive, oxygenated and living tissue, it's legitimately a part. It's sure. incomplete, but it's part of you. But look, it, it impels towards Catholic unity. The idea is you're going to want to get that part back in the back in the body. <laughs> you got to get that back in. That's where it belongs. Right. Scripture can be found outside of church, uh, the Catholic church, but there's this, it impels the, the possessors of it to get back in the body. Scott Hahn's conversion story is a, is a perfect example of this. He's looking and reading it, scripture responsibly and honestly, and he just couldn't escape the fact that the, the, the in deep engagement with scripture compelled him to Catholic unity, that is to unite himself to the church that Jesus Christ established, which is the Catholic church. So yes, you can, it, what, and this brings up the issue of salvation outside the church, which we can talk about at some point, but but just want to clear the record, the church is not saying it doesn't matter what church you're in, or that you know you can equally and easily be saved uh, in any Christian community. It's okay as long as you're just going to church. Or like we've heard so many times over the years, many of us, somebody's coming to RCIA, I'm a Lutheran, and, and they were told, hey, I was told by the priest, just, just be a good Lutheran. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, no. well, and also I think like <clears throat> for catechists, for even maybe some theologians, like it's this is this is seeped into the church enough that it's possible to mistakenly get this wrong. Like there is this idea that you can add up a number of accidents into the Catholic Church, right? And I remember when I was writing about this specific phrase, you know, subsist in uh, just exactly what you said, right? It doesn't work like that. You don't add accidents to get to a whole. And make and see which one has the most hole. That's not the way it works, right? right. Uh, and like a, like a that, Frankenstein, like here's yeah. a finger, here's a heart, here's right. an eye. Right. Let's sew it together. <laughs> right, right. It's not a puzzle. It's not like right. that. It's not right, a puzzle right. where we're like, okay, who who has the most parts, and and we'll join the one that has the most parts that that Christ founded. It doesn't work like that. But but I have a question because you said it's not like the Platonic forms. Why is this not? Why is this not churchness? Like there's hoarseness. Isn't it? Well, the church, yeah, uh, yeah, it is like that. But <clears throat> but Plato had a um, uh, since we're doing this deep dive, I guess. Well, yeah, let's do, okay. let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. So um, Pla Plato had a, a some good insights. Okay, with yeah. respect to the forms, and this is right. the analogy of the cave, and you read it right. in the Republic, the book of the Repu you know, the Republic. Uh, but there are some flaws. There are some flaws in it that Aristotle, his student. Uh, uh, corrected, frankly, and and Aristotle loved Plato. I mean, Aristotle's Platonic right. in a sense, absolutely. Like they're not at odds all the time, but Aristotle kind of made a point of precision here that really is helpful. So Plato will say, any given individual, let's say horse, okay, is not everything it means to be a horse. The only thing that is everything that it means to be a horse, right? The fullness of horseness is horseness, which is this transcendent form. That is the full, complete, actual, you know, uh, 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 existence of hoarseness. 
any given horse is like a shadow on the wall, right? Ah, the, the, okay. The, okay the, I get it. The, and a shadow is not a shadow view is not the fullness of you. It doesn't have your color or your three dimensionality, uh, right? <clears throat> or anything. But it does. Rep- it's a slice of you. It represents something of you, but not the fullness of you, right? And and so any given horse is not really a horse. It's somewhat of a horse. And Aristotle said, and without, now there's a lot you can get into, there's something called the third man argument and, and all this stuff, which we won't get into uh, right now because we'll have to stay on it for a half hour at least, but uh, probably a lot longer. But, um, but the simple way to express it is like this. Any given horse is a complete and full horse. It's just that they're not actualizing everything it means to be a horse at every single moment in time. That actualization is a process of life. So at one point, they're not a mature horse. They cannot reproduce baby horses because they are a colt. They're a young horse that's not yet able to reproduce. Uh, some of them have manifested or actualized brown, uh, you know, um, uh, mane, and others, you know, right. are are white, and others are black, and and you know, different colors, right? You you can't be all the different colors horses can be all at the same time, right? So it's tr- but the potency of horseness, right? Uh, the potencies of everything a horse can be is found not in a abstract realm. Aristotle will argue, but it's found in the horse itself. What enables this horse to be a horse, to actualize partially what it means to be a horse, is the essence of horseness, which is not found. So horseness is true. In other words, you're saying, well, isn't church churchness or the essence of church real? Yes, it is real. And horseness is real. But it's, it's just actualized not, it's not completely. In a, yeah, it's not in a transcendent uh, realm. It's in the actual concrete horse, or in this case, the church Christ founded. It's actually in there. It's just not all of the potencies, all of the features are not actualized all the time at any given point in time perfectly. Isn't except, that such a... Except with the church, when you get to heaven, then it is. Okay. Right. We're talking about the church on earth. Is, is that, isn't that such a hopeful thing? I mean, that's such a hopeful message to say like, well, we, no, like, it, I mean, because I think like a lot of people are wandering around, like they're, they're touched by the gospel and they're wandering around saying like, where is where is the church that Christ founded? And we can say it's right here. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, here. And, 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 and everything to. you need, right. everything you need, is right there. Right. It's it's right, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So that makes sense. Why it's not? It's different than than hoarseness. It's it's churchness, but it's fully actualized. Dave, it's so hard to talk about. Sorry. I just, okay. Just yeah. stri- right. No, 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 no. You're right. I just sorry. I'm going off on something. Thinking about something you just said. It's so hard these days. I think because of. A lot of the difficulties in the church, um, right, and, and the sufferings and the failures of her members, to you know. So, so I'm just imagining some you you, you saying to me, and I feel disaffected or something. Um, but everything you need is right here, and you're right, David. It is. It's right here. But I'm like, oh yeah. What about you know? You get all these snarky comments, you know, pedophiles. Or you're, you're, exactly. Like, right. Your pr- your priests are all perverts. Right. How do you right. do? Do you get that? What do you? Yeah, say? oh yeah, I, I get it all. The, I get it all the time. I know, I, I know. All the time. Yeah, I mean, but 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 you know, in the analogy, at least the Illumigentium analogy, it still works, right? Because it's comparing church, the church to Christ. 
<laughs> you know, it's right, not comparing. Right, right. It's, it's not. It's not saying like, "Hey, here's the church. Look at our members." It's saying, "Look at look at Christ. This is the Christ is the church." You no, know? No, you're right. That's it. Right. We're, we're you become a Catholic not for a particular what right. priest or pope or right. bishop or even saint. Although the saints are fantastic, all these people can help you. But in the end, you're Catholic because of Jesus Christ. We've talked right. about that before, and I think that really is the answer. Is that uh, that that's part of the answer at least? Is that <clears throat> Uh, it, it, as Paul says, you know, to the Corinthians, Paul didn't die on the cross for you. Peter's not your savior, right? We're helpers, right. okay? But you are Christ's. You're here for Jesus. He's the only one without sin. Well, Mary, but he, too. But you know, he's the one without sin, not the ministers. Okay, we 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 are sinners too. Uh, I think I've mentioned this. My old pastor, he's passed away now. God rest his soul. Used to say, used to do a prison ministry in Steubenville, and he said, I'd go to to the prison, and some of the kids would say, uh, oh, yeah, you Catholics are all hypocrites. And I'd say to them, well, there's always room for one more. <laughs> you know. <laughs> yeah. But here's a key thing I'd say in my Theology of the Church class is, uh, look, is there sin in the church? Yes. Is it new? No. Is it a particularly bad now? Maybe. Maybe it's worse than it was in the past. But regardless, uh, it's not new. The church on earth will have both, as Jesus himself very explicitly said, the weeds and the wheat together, and weeds can become wheat, and we- wheat can become weeds. We can go back and forth. But, um, but here's the key. How do you become a member of the church? I think this is really important. You don't become a member of the church like you do a member of a gang or the mafia by committing some crime or some sin. You don't become a member of the church, hey, go kill these people, now you can become a member of the church. You become a member of the church, the way, the way you do it is converting, or if you're a baby, uh, if you're an adult, converting and then being baptized, or if you're a baby, just being baptized. Being baptized takes away all of your sin and all punishment due to sin, and it makes you objectively, literally, holy. So, so actually entering the church is a process of being made holy. Now, you can fall afterwards, and that's why there's confession. But the whole purpose of the church is to make people holy for Jesus Christ's sake, so to be united to Jesus, right? So I think the way to handle, uh, it's not like it's a facile or simple answer to people who have no. deep wounds, but it's true. It has to be said that the corruption you're seeing in the church, do not let that separate you from Jesus Christ. Okay, you can look at the corruption in my own life, in your own life, in our lives. Like you have it too. Maybe I, you didn't do what a priest did. Some some priest did. Uh, it doesn't matter. Um, the point is, the gospel is a gospel that Jesus can forgive all those sins. That He has the power to save you. That's why you're in the church. Yeah, and I think I mean, if you if you try to if you try your best to say, well, where can I find the church that Scripture talked about? as opposed to saying, like, where can I find the church that I think Jesus would have founded? That will help a lot, because it's very clear in Scripture that the church is the bride of Christ continually being prepared to be that spotless bride, you know? And if there, if the church is continually being prepared to be the spotless bride, then there's something that needs to to be purged, you know? I mean, that's, that's going to be part of the church until the end. Uh, or yeah. not, so, sorry, not until the end, until the eschaton. To, to, yeah, that's right. So in other words, you're saying, don't look for a, a, a community of people where nobody ever sins ever. No, right. I, you're never... I mean, although that could be the eschatological state, yes. But I mean, right here on earth, you're not looking for a society where there's never any sin ever. Yeah, and I, I, I think what's problematic is that 
since society has turned sin into like justice issues, you you will find churches maybe that you feel are more sinless than the Catholic Church. It's possible that you would find that. But that's not what we're looking for. We're not looking for a church that's sinless. We're looking for a a the a church that's purging herself for the savior, for the for the wedding feast of the lamb, you know? Yeah, that's right. It, we're we're looking for a church that has those essential elements of preserving the teaching of Christ uh, on the Trinity, uh, the one God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, the the purpose of the incarnation to save souls from sin, um, the church that has um, the community that has the essential elements Christ laid down of of the of the liturgical things that he did, baptism, Eucharist, he, he t- said, go forgive sins, those elements, right? Uh, uh, the, the communication of the Holy Spirit. And then the church that has the, the structure, the governance structure that Jesus himself established. He did. He had a two-tiered structure of laity and hierarchy that he establishes as early as recorded in Matthew 10 when he selects 12 out of the hundreds of followers to be the apostles with the power and authority uh, and then he specifies over the months and years su- subsequent to that point their specific duties in preaching the gospel, in casting out demons, in um, uh, sacramentalizing, go preach to all the nations, baptizing them, um, and uh, teaching them to observe, that is, obey all I've commanded you. So he gives them the power, uh, a, a prophetic power to, 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 to speak on behalf of God to preach the gospel the priestly power to communicate forgiveness of sin through the sacraments and grace through the sacraments, and the kingly power to to make people uh, uh, adhere to the commandment of love, okay? So, um, so if you find a community... See, part of the problem is that people, as you know, especially our Protestants, friends will say, uh, the ch- your church in no way resembles what Jesus founded in the first century, Okay. And that's not that's not fair at all. I mean, it's as fair. Well, it's as fair as saying the United States of America right now in 2021, with uh, the income tax system, with the several branches of the right, military, right. four or five branches of the military, or with uh, uh, the entitlement system of um, welfare. Okay, in no way resembles what the founding fathers established. And frankly, none of those elements I just mentioned were there in the founding. And would you say, this is not America anymore? No, it is. We've retained the separation of powers, the three branches of government. We've retained the essence. So that's the key, is that where where on earth do you find a community that's retained the essence of teaching, liturgy, and hierarchy that Jesus himself established? We forget the trappings of what kind of fancy hat people may wear, or yeah. do they have a scepter or a, uh, a crozier? Uh, look, <clears throat> do they have the essence, okay? And you do find that in the Catholic Church, though there are elements, elementa, found outside of the Catholic Church. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, and I, I think, like, your analogy was good, but it was negative. Like, you're using income tax and, you know, welfare. Oh, right, right, right. Like that. You know, like, there, there are just things that are just practical, you know? Like right. They're, like, the church changed just because of practicality's sake, you know? Like, there are things that just change because of that. But if and she changed in her change, essence, that's right, the key. never change her essence, right. And... and I th- I think it was just so much easier, right, in the early church because it wa- there wasn't th- there was never this argument about it, but very very clearly. Well, I say there wasn't this argument, but clearly bishops play a major role in the early church, major major role, 
And I can't remember which church father it is. It probably probably the listeners remember this quote better than I do, but it's where the bishop is, there so is the church. The right? church, Ignatius of Antioch. Saint Ignatius, Ignatius, of Antioch. Yeah, Ignatius yeah. right? I mean, that uh, that is uh, pretty clear, right, uh, that... You can't, you can't just, you can't just separate this idea of, you know, and and it also goes into, I was, I've been, you know, now that you're you're talking about it, I'm starting to think about all, all the things that kind of bug me, where you know things like we are church, like well, okay, in a certain <laughs> right. sense, right, we're part of the church, and yeah, and 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 we can be church or be church or something like that. Well, you can't right, be right, the right. essence of of churchness, right? You're not, that's not the, that's not the way it works. Uh, but I think like for, for a lot of people, this is, this is a hurdle even for Catholics who are going to stay Catholic to get over. They have a hard time with this idea, like that the Catholic church is the church Christ founded. And I I think it's because they almost feel bad. It's like a, maybe a, a sentimentality for their loved ones who are not in the church or something like that. And I would affirm, you know, pe- people say this to me all the time. Well, my daughter is is dating this guy in college, and he's not Catholic, but he's super Christian, and he loves Jesus. And I always say, great, that's great. You know, I, I, I wouldn't, just because of what we just talked about, I wouldn't say, well, get get rid of him, right? I, I wouldn't right, say right, that. Right. I, what I would say is, great, let's bring him into the fold, you know? Let's yeah, well, look, if you fold. love somebody, here, here, I think the key is love. If you really love somebody, and, and, and I've been in situations like this where I've had Protestant friends and I really love them, and yeah. we became close enough, because you're not always close enough to say these sensitive things, but we became close enough friends that I could say, look, look, I, I want to encourage you to, to, to become Catholic. Come to Mass with me. Look at what it's like. I, I defend the faith as best I can. Explain the faith as best I can. Here's, let me, let's, there's many concrete examples you could take. The easy shot, easy pot shot is contraception. But let's just take it because yeah. it's easy. But there are many others. You could use and many other examples other than contraception. It's just an easy one, okay? If I love somebody, right, and, and they're going to, you know, it's, it's a, like the example you said, your, 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 your child is dating a, a, a real on-fire Protestant, okay, whatever. But the Catholic Church, by the way, is the only um, community, Christian community, that has preserved the teaching from Old and New Testaments not to separate the unitive and procreative powers of sex. That goes, And that contraception is just one way to do it. There's masturbation, there's uh, uh, in vitro fertilization, all sorts of ways to separate those two. Uh, but all the way back from Genesis and Onan, you know, God condemns that kind of behavior, and the church, the Catholic Church, is the only one who has preserved that. Other church, churches or ecclesial communities had it for a while, preserved that teaching for a while, but 1930, the Anglicans got rid of it at the Lambeth Conference, and the Orthodox tolerated it, etc. Okay, why am I getting this? Because look, if I love the, this young couple, and they're going to get married, but one is fine. Contraception is not only acceptable, but it's really good, and it's a helpful thing, you know, and I want to... You know, but what contrac- what's you know, sin is not just don't do it because I said so and shut up. Sin is God I, God saying, I love you. If you do this, you're going to be damaging yourself and other people in very particular ways. Right. One of the ways of many ways that contraception damages you is it fosters in what we call a contraceptive mentality where we look at each other less and less, potentially less and less as persons to be loved, to whom I give myself. Uh, and more and more as objects or instruments for my sexual pleasure. That's 
That's dehumanizing the other. That's not loving them in Christ properly. And so contraception is very uh, dangerous and it's sinful for for many reasons, and that's one of them. And if I love somebody, I'm going to say, hey, look, stay away from that. You're not going to want that. And and, and on what authority do you say that? You could say it on the natural law, but authority, but people, uh, we've been very confused about natural law these days with gender and sex and all sorts of things, okay? Okay? So really it's the authority of the church that Jesus Christ established, and that is the Catholic Church exclusively. Does that mean all Protestants are going to hell? No, not necessarily. There are elements of of truth. Now how that works out, maybe we could have that as another uh, conversation for another podcast, uh, the question of salvation outside the church. Because listen, Dave, it's still a dogma. There is no no salvation outside outside, the Catholic Church. But that doesn't necessarily mean all non-Catholics are going to hell. And in fact, Pius XII excommunicated Father Leonard Feeney for saying every right. single non-catholic is going to hell. So that's that, that's a that's a that's an error. Well, maybe we should cuz you know we should have more time to talk about that. We'll talk about that in the future, but it's very much related. But it, Yeah, it, but I would love I would love to talk about that cuz by the way, did Feeney did he die in good standing? Yeah. I think he recanted in the end. Okay. Well, the crazy thing is um the bishop of Manchester, New Hampshire, I think is the one who reconciled him formally to yeah. the church. Yeah. Yeah. But he, I don't think he was required to to retract. Oh, that's right, that's right. He didn't so, have to so it's crazy, it. and that has led to some confusion. Uh, another little funny thing is, and we can pick this up again later, but is that the late Cardinal Avery Dulles, yeah, uh, was brought into the Catholic Church in Harvard by Father Leonard Feeney, and oh, he yeah. loved Feeney. That's he right, loved Feeney. Right. I now, he, about he, that. he 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 had issues with with Feeney's some of the things Feeney said, but. He also wrote beautifully about the wonderful things Feeney did. So Feeney is a is a mixed bag, but um, but look, yeah, and also, uh, but if you know his life, I mean, he didn't do it lightly. He had, he, it was difficult for him. Like he yeah. really struggled with this. No, no, that's right. Yeah. Uh, but listen, all that aside, uh, or we'll get back to that someday. I hope, God willing, um, we should not be ashamed to say. The church Christ established is the Catholic Church, and join us, you know? Right. And we're sinners, but but it's okay, because you're going to be missing out on some important elements of doctrine, like we just said with contraception, or elements of holiness. You can't go to confession. Can God forgive your sins apart from that? Yeah, but you don't have that concrete, visible sign where Jesus Christ himself... See, here's the other thing, David. Jesus is alive, concretely, in this world. Right. Right. Uh, he's in heaven, he reigns in heaven, but he meets us concretely in and through the broken people in the Catholic Church, through the sacraments of the Catholic Church, we have contact with the living Jesus uh, through the preaching, uh, the liturgy, and the hierarchy uh, when they're acting as they should. <laughs> Not they don't always, and so you know. But when they they do enough for for the church to be still kicking, alive and kicking. Um, right. So, so yeah, a, there, there's yeah. a certain genius of Catholicism that comes with the fact that it was founded by by Christ. You know that the the, the genius of confession. I mean, it's. I don't know how people get through their life. I really, I really do not know how people survive without it. Because you, uh, the detractor is going to say to you, "Yeah, but I don't go to a broken to weirdo to... priest," you know. And you say to confession, confess right to God, but you say, "No, I, God, Jesus comes to me through that priest, as, well, as yeah, broken but, as he may but, be." But, you know? but but also, you know, it's pretty hard. Okay, so when I'm writing this paper on subsistence, I got into the. The whole issue of, uh, you know, Christ as the bridegroom, right, and the church as His bride. Okay, so of course, if we sin against God, 
and Christ and the church are one. We want to be welcomed back in by a, a representative of that of said church. Right. Who, by the way, because we don't just offend him. Right. Right. We don't just offend him. We. Right. So I, I, I think it's just so beautiful. I mean, that's a beautiful part of the church. It's not a hurt. It shouldn't be a hurdle. Uh, to me, confession is not a hurdle for evangelization. It's I put it right out front and say, "Look how amazing this is." You know, it's no doubt. Well, so it's this idea that I don't want to go through a human. I want to go right yeah. to God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, here's the thing: um, you don't want to go to a human. You don't want to go to some creature. You want to just go right to the Creator. But guess what? The Creator comes to you if if you're Protestant and you're reading Scripture. Scripture is not the Creator. Right. Scripture's a created reality that mediates the creator to you. So you're already going to things that are created. Jesus himself in his humanity, his humanity is not his divinity. He is God, but his humanity is human. It's created. You know, y- y- he comes to you through a created medium, all right? And he continues to do that through the broken members of the... You have know, heard that phrase... God writes straight with crooked lines. Yeah. Can't still don't know who really said it. People claim Augustine or Ignatius, but the point it's true. It, the point survives. God writes straight with crooked lines. He he gives us the privilege of participating in his ministry of saving souls by preaching, sanctifying and governing, especially the hierarchy, right? Um, as broken as we all are. Um, so yeah, don't let the brokenness. Okay, so we're talking about the brokenness. At the same time, um, there's been a few really good articles I've read recently uh, these last few weeks. Uh, about some of the crisis in the church and the scandal in the church that talked about the saints. Uh, so there is, there is unimpeachable evidence that the church is that established by Christ when you have these several thousand canonized saints from the beginning of the church to the present, and you can see that the unimpeachable witness of their lives, they're humans just like us, and yet uh, without... There's no way to account for this by human ingenuity alone. They become sinless eventually. They become without sin. They become heroic examples of love uh, and of holiness. So, um, so yeah, there's counterexamples in the church, but then the examples of holiness of the saints is very important. And they they worked tirelessly to bring people into the church because they loved them. It's like, look, go back to that example of the body. If you have an element of the body, like the heart or the eye outside the visible structure right it's it's out there on a on a table you're keeping it alive in a lab right. it's not loving it really isn't loving to not get that body part back in the body if you can you might not be able to but you got to get it back in the body if you can right instead you want to be a frankenstein or some crazy doctor and keep the body part alive and go <laughs> you know uh, that's can it stay alive perhaps can it stay alive indefinitely for some body parts perhaps uh but that's twisted and perverted. <laughs> that's not what and, you and want, not, and not scriptural. He that they right. they, they may be one as you and I are one. Right, that's and, right. And uh, yeah, and it, that's not sentimentality either. I mean, that's the problem. Now, I think that there is this false ecumenism that that thinks that we can be sentimentally together. Like, let's just forget the problems of the past where Protestants and Catholics didn't mix. That's not what we're talking right, about. Right, right. That's like, right. Like, ju- just right. patting each other on the back is not what we need. What we want is one church that speaks to the world uh, a unity that only could come from God, you know? And uh, I, I like, I, I really do like the, I think the, the argument that you just gave about saints is way more, is way stronger than people give it credit. Because 
honestly, if you if you get into the lives of the saints, there's a bulwark of holiness there that just is not, it's not possible. It is not possible. And the church is like a factory of saints. Yeah, it yeah. really is, you know? And I mean, you just uh, start with Acts of the Apostles. Saul yeah. was such a jerk. He, he right. hated, right. he hated Jesus. He hated Christians. He wanted to kill them. He presided over the martyrdom of the first martyr, Stephen, in Acts, what, 8, 9, 8, 9? And then Christ converts him, and he becomes one of the preeminent saints of all time and a martyr for the faith, you know? So look at, look at this great, and this is the, this is the, this is the gospel, you know? Uh, this is the place that, that where Jesus established to, yeah, like he said, make saints, make and the oneness, the oneness is, is yes, uh, a oneness of, of the various members of, of, of the body, right? We want to have a reunion in doctrine, liturgy, and hierarchy, yes. But, but also uh, the oneness at its de- deepest level is the oneness that Jesus experiences with his Father. And that's what he's praying in that passage you're mentioning is the last discourse in John's Gospel, that they may be one as I am one in you. The Son is one in the Father in a oneness of nature, of the divine nature, and they are calling us all to share the actual divine nature itself, to become literal children of God, sons and daughters of God, sharing that divine nature. That's what the Catholic Church was established by Jesus Christ to offer to the world. Can you find elements of it outside? Yes. Uh, is that safe, healthy? No, not necessarily. There's a, it's fraught with difficulties and, and, and dangers that, that you still have difficulties in the Catholic Church, no doubt, but you have, uh, you're not lacking any essential element. Uh, so out of love, I, I really do think it, it, it's not properly, it may be, like you said, sentimental, and you might feel, oh, it's not loving to, to kind of criticize or whatever. And yes, you can criticize in a hateful way, that's for sure. But it really, strictly speaking, it's not loving uh, to withhold from someone out of a sense of, I don't want to offend them or upset their feelings, to withhold from them, like say the truth that we gave the example of contraception or, or other truths like the Eucharist or, or, or penance, you know, uh, confession, et cetera. Or, or just the Holy Father, right? I yeah, mean, that's right. You that's know, right, it's, absolutely. It's, a, it's, it's when you think about the fact that he was given the keys to the kingdom and, and he can do things like... Like have a jubilee year and do things right. like have you know uh, you know mercy missionaries and stuff like that. It's a like, year of Saint Joseph, yeah, right. A year of Saint Joseph, yeah, yeah, yeah. like those are those are amazing spouts of grace that we can do, uh, we can have, and uh, you know it's and it's incredible. Is that okay to just say no? Just be a good Lutheran and, and you won't get you know right you know and, and and you're not even thinking this necessarily, but when if people say that, but you know you're 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 kind of not welcoming them, opening them up to these. This tor- not just channels of grace; these torrents of grace. You, right, you know? right, so. right. Yeah, it's it's yeah. Uh, it's like making them try to, you know, fly with one wing, and it's uh, it's you know it's it's hard, and I can see it in struggles in friends' lives and things like that. And not that Catholics don't struggle, but I think no, it's so us, hard for a lot of us. I I think we don't even realize this teaching that this is this is the Church Jesus Christ founded, and right, and if and I think. We've, we've, especially my generation and your generation, it's been a generation of mistrust a lot yeah, for yeah, the church. Yeah. And we have to remember, like, well, hold on a second, you know, this is, this is our mother, you know, our mother, and she's, 
she's going to get she is the ark of salvation right and it's going right. to get us where we need to go if we if we truly enter in no that's right and you 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 started to hit on it it's so important before we end up here wrap up here uh it's not like it's easy right uh, uh, just because you have channels or torrents of grace that aren't found outside the visible confines doesn't mean it's easy in fact uh, uh, i heard a great comment by a, a a catholic priest in a homily once he said uh the Catholic life is actually the most difficult life to live, right. but it is the easiest life to die. So right. if you, it, it, meaning, if you live it well, you're going to suffer, uh, you're going to be crushed, you're going to go through dark nights, profoundly dark nights, where there's uh, <clears throat> challenges to faith or hope, uh, ch- temptations to despair, uh, a feeling of being abandoned by God, abandoned by your family, abandoned by your church, abandoned by your parish, abandoned by your priest, abandoned by your friend, whatever it is, there's going to be these horrible, horrible ch- challenges and sufferings. So, but if you persevere in faith, if you stay faithful to Christ, if you receive his grace, then when you, you, you're going to be able to die really, really well. It's the most difficult life to live. It's the easiest to die. So it's not like, um, yeah, come, yeah. so you were saying, it's not like just come in, oh, we don't have any problems. That's right. No, there are, there are problems aplenty. But the point is you get a torrent of grace that you don't necessarily feel always. Right. But it is there. And darn it, I so, we all so desperately need it. So why deprive yeah. yourself or anybody else who you should be loving, which is everybody, of uh, of, the, of these torrents of grace? Yeah, it's like it's like you know, uh, what to to what you just said. You know, with the exorcism ministry, it's it's common. Like you know, people who are not Catholic will come for an exorcism, and of course, the church offers that to them. But what we say to them is like, look, you you don't you're 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 trying to do this one handed. You're trying to fight the devil one handed. Come into the fold. We'll protect you. We'll. The saints you are need here the waiting for you. You the, the the Holy Father is here for you. The you know all of those things. The the apostolicity, right? All of those things are here, waiting for you. The sacraments. Uh, don't don't fight one handed. You know, and, right, and right, that's right. that's kind of it, it. It it's an extreme example, but it applies to everyone. Yeah, beautiful. Yeah, this is great, Mike. I I I'm yeah. glad we got, and I'm glad we got into especially the deeper theology because I do think, like you know, we we should we should stretch a little bit here. We should stretch a little. Yeah, bit. no, yeah, and yeah. this is this is your idea, Dave. This topic, yeah. I think, is great. Thank you for. Uh, at first, I thought, should we do it? And then, no, I, it hit me. We we've got to do it. This yeah, is yeah. great. But yeah, yeah. Are yeah, we great. gonna are we well, gonna do some kind of thing coming up in the future this summer? Yeah. With uh, yeah, what about live, that? a live episode? So in July, uh, I don't have an exact date yet, but Mike and I'll set a date hopefully today, in July, uh, early July, we'll do a live episode. Probably uh, in the evening, where you can call in and ask any question you have about theology. Uh, so it'll be kind of a stump the professor night uh, there, and uh, we'd love to hear your questions. Actually, we do and have stump that the evangelist. Set up. Yeah, right. We do have that email set up, questions at theologyandinsanity.com, and we already got a, a question uh, on that email, so that's exciting, and we'll be addressing those. Don't you worry. Uh, they'll be coming up, And uh, uh, but Keep your eyes open because uh, we'll be uh, promoting that and advertising that live episode soon. As always, if you've been blessed by this, please uh, go to iTunes, give us a rating, maybe give leave a comment if you have a moment because uh, that helps us to be found on the search engine. So, uh, yeah, 
Mike, anything else you want to want to leave us with? No, just thank you, David. It's such a blessing to to to, to have you as a friend and to and to talk about these these things with you. Um, yeah, this has been. It's great. so important to keep our minds on these truths. You oh know? yeah, it's a real yeah. blessing. Yeah, this is this is a blessing for me too, and I hope it's been a blessing for all of you out there. I pray for you every day. I know Mike does too. Yeah. Please pray for us. God bless you all. Hey.